Hello everybody, today is episode 4 of Existential and today we talk about fantasy versus reality. And uh, before we continue, I want to give a brief thanks to our sponsor. Alright, so we're back. Now, fantasy versus reality. Here's a really interesting topic, which is a multifaceted idea. And today we're just going to talk about the practical balance. You know, what really, first, what is it? You know, why you can't live without it? Uh, and and how it kind of how how deeply it affects the way the way you live your day to day life. So we first dive into the opposite to the the obvious uh, question at hand. What is it? And uh, while it may seem as though this is a pretty simple topic to understand, and in all reality it is, it is a it is a, a really uh, multifaceted topic as I mentioned. So let's dive into each one of the uh, the definitions here. So fantasy. Fantasy is an illusory sense of safety, right? And over later, we're going to reference a circle. And I want you to imagine this circle. We'll actually go to it right now. I want you to imagine this circle. And this circle has a circle inside it and a circle inside it. Three rings, one bigger than the other. And in the smallest circle, I want you to think of the term reality. Then on the outer circle, I want you to think of the term illusory safety or illusionary safety. Then on the top of that one, on the mo on the furthest ring outside from uh, starting from reality, I want you to write the word fantasy. And this is what I personally believe is the uh, is the uh, normal and primary balance, just in my own opinion, from my own uh, experiences of what what I found to be in my head. So we dive in. So fantasy is, say the say it's the the idea that or the reality that you're rich, right? A lot of times people will try to convince themselves of reality, and search for, uh, search for elements in their reality, search for specific elements in their reality, to back up this fantasy, even though it's untrue. For instance, uh, you'll see a lot of people going to great lengths. So let's say the statement would be, "I'm rich." Uh, I'm rich brings about thoughts, right, that, okay, so I need to confirm my reality that I'm rich. Now, we're going to go into a different episode about how insecurity will will drive a person to talk a lot. And then after they talk a lot, right, they, it's kind of rooted in the fact that I don't have much. But if I'm rich, I'm secure, right? This is why you don't see the top uh, NBA players or the top basketball players constantly, constantly talking about how amazing they are. Um, Anyhow, so one need has a constant uh, need to confirm the fact to confirm realities, right? Even if it's a fantasy. So let's say I'm rich, okay, and I would need to I'm I would be constantly on the hunt for different elements of my reality to prove that I'm rich, and simultaneously ignoring the obvious truths that counter my claim. For instance, say I am. So I'm rich. Okay, that's the claim. I, I want to go around, right? I walk around my room and I find my watch box. Now, my watch box is made of beautiful wood. It's made of veneer, gorgeous wood. And inside is a $10 watch. So I don't focus on the $10 watch. Rather, I focus on the really nice case that I have that's protecting my watch. Or I'll walk around my room and I'll look at my computer. It's a Oh, $150 computer, but my desk is $850, right? So I'll try to, I'll try to select 
I'll try to selectively point out different parts and different elements that compose reality reality in order to confirm my claim that I'm rich. Right, and this is something that people do a lot with with the uh, Bible or with the Torah or with the Quran, for instance. Right, and when they're trying to prove a point, when they're trying to make a logical inference, and uh, have the have their scriptures, uh, morals back it up. In other words, if if I'm trying to make a claim about the Torah, and I have to, and I'm trying to uh, to have the Torah, and I'm trying to bring provide evidence from the Torah to back up my claim. Um, right, that's what I'm talking about. So a lot of people, what they do is they'll cite, and this is how people come up with outlandish interpretations of the Torah or of the Bible or of the Quran, for instance. Right, they'll go and they'll say uh, they'll find a weird, weird, weirdly ambiguous, very broad, unspecific part, a four-word uh, scripture that would say something like, um, "Do whatever makes the person happy." Right, and that would obviously, I'm sure, that would be that would follow a another scripture that said, "Do blah 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 blah." You know, do A, B, and C, and then after that, said, "Do whatever make makes you happy." Right? It's a weirdly positioned one, super broad, and what a lot of these people do, well, they'll selectively uh, pick out choice scriptures to prove up to prove their point, even though there is thirty times the evidence to prove that they're indeed wrong. However, they'll pick this one. To back up their argument and then claim that okay, well, it says it in the Torah, therefore blah 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 is true. Therefore, my argument is valid. Now, this idea of selectively uh, choosing what parts of reality you want to take out is in is a a fraudulent and apocryphal way to live one's own life, right? This this will this will give one as it did to me in the past, right? It will give you a lot of complexes like it did to me about um, uh, you know. You, you start questioning after everything you do is oh is it too affectatious is it too for others I mean it's it, there's a whole there's a whole world out there that that can really screw screw up with you if you uh, screw 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 on with your mind really if you uh, if you decide to mess around with these these aspects right but this idea of selectively choosing parts of reality to confirm what your uh, to confirm really what your what what your claim is 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 essentially the safety net of of this uh, of this fantasy, right? And uh, I talk down about it right now. I'm I'm kind of giving um, uh, painting a really negative picture about it. But the fact of the matter is that just like performative identity, right? It gives you a place to run to when reality isn't good, right? It gives you a place to go to when reality doesn't serve you right, or when when anything does not meet the expectation your mind sets for it, whether that be in relationships, life, boss, yeah, with your boss, your work life, your home life, any part of life, religiously, you always have a place to run to. Um, and this is, and by the way, fantasy is a bigger bubble. You know, the performative identity falls under the umbrella of a fantasy in a way, in a way that it's 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 uh, ingenuine. So we look back at this circle and fantasy is a fantasy you have the fantasy then you have the illusory safety the illusionary safety right which is so we have the the claim right that's the fantasy then under in the smaller but in the smaller circle we have uh these small affirmations that from your reality that's oh i'm rich oh, i'm rich i'm rich i'm rich very small tiny little cues you know let's say you live next to a nice mall and you walk around or you save up 
you use your last thousand dollars in your bank account to buy yourself a Louis Vuitton belt, right? And then claim that you're rich, right? I mean, it's very, you, I mean, it's very uh, inconsistent with with the reality, right? And so before we dive into a little bit more, I wanted to give another brief thanks to our sponsor. All right, so. That was a brief, uh, a little brief introduction to what I would define as a fantasy. Now we're going to go with reality. Reality and is a much, much riskier, riskier terrain, and we come to uh, to realize that, you know, with greater risk and greater pain comes greater reward. Right? This is a theme that's constantly spread out through uh, the other three episodes and all the episodes to come. Right? We're going to explore how having a tougher reality or having a tougher uh, root in it being a tougher reality, right, will give you a bigger reward. So what is the payoff for such a hard job? The job being being rooted in reality. Having your roots set in reality is a very, very hard thing to do because of how unpredictable it is. Fantasy is solely constructed or mostly constructed by you. Reality, unfortunately, is not. Reality is a mix of you your analytical thought, your uh, your mood, it can alter your mood, it has control over you. A lot of it is your external circumstances. Yes, you have control over your reactions, but that doesn't detract from how your circumstances take place around you. You have to be involved with others. You have to give attention to feelings that you don't really want to. You are really involved in a place that you don't want to be many times, right? And this, this, this um, a lot of people who live in fantasies right don't really have a tolerance to be able to live in such an area right so the the kind of pain that comes with living in reality sometimes comes at a greater cost you know as we mentioned in the last episode you know living logic living uh, the world is built on logic as was your mind your mind has a natural hunger for logic you know everything has to make sense and make logical right everything has to make sense that is the mind's way of confirming reality everything makes sense your mind sees a it expects b i drop the pencil the pencil has to fall right this is a rule a rule makes sense to us and makes sense things make sense make us and help us uh stay and remain stay uh sane right it, mentally or neurologically uh, satiating in a way so the price of uh, the the reward of being involved and rooted in reality is the fact that you can is the the uh the comfort you have of uh of living in reality right when you're in a fantasy there is this underlying feeling that you know you're not really in living in reality when you're living in reality you legitimately have nothing much to be scared of it is a very very satisfying I'm on the front lines of war type of uh, type of scene, right? It's a very, very not not just comforting because comforting is fantasy. Reality is comforting. Being living in reality in a way is comforting, given that you you know that there is nothing else. You know you're actually in there. You know there there's really nothing else to escape to because you're living in reality, right? So that is so it's the it's the the reward is essentially living in reality you know that's a reward in and of itself you know it's very difficult for me to further define right so you know the higher the payoff the higher the uh the higher the payoff the higher the the risk obviously so we come to ask why can't one live in both 
you know, why can't one live in both? And we, and, you know, we'll later explore that. Yeah, I mean, the mind does have a habit of fragmenting, of compartmentalizing, almost like a mob, if you will. And um, I want to reference a, now is the time where we reference a, a very interesting, a, a really, really interesting um, aspect, right? Here's, here's a little bit of a personal story. So when I was before, let's just define it as before and after the dream. What is the dream? The dream was that I would be wealthy and happy and prosperous and successful and, you know, the American dream, right? That was the dream. And whenever I felt the dream, right, and music amplified that to degrees one cannot even imagine, right? When I was, in other words, when I was super, super ambitious, I was super motivated. And I, whenever I felt the dream, it felt empowering, powerful, inspiring, real, uh, pure, achievable, really, down to earth, ironically. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, this was this was just me being ambitious, but it was all in my head mentally. Now, when I was around 15 or 16 years old, probably earlier, actually, but when I was 15 or 16 years old, I actually took action on this. I started opening up my own businesses. I started making actual real ventures. I've always been interested in this type of thing. I've always ta- I've, I mean, you can catch me when I was six years old, for instance, walking around with business cards to promote my cake business, which I made cakes and wanted to sell them and whatnot, right? So, you know. When I act, but I actually took action when I was somewhere around fifteen or sixteen years old. And what was interesting is that, and it actually kind of struck me is that as soon as I actually started it, once I actualized the emotions, once I made the feelings and made the dream a reality or worked on it to do so, I was I felt sad. I was left empty. Empty, you know, like uh, that, that was the primary emotion. I felt very empty and I felt very emotionless. I felt very, you know, sad, unincluded. You know, it was, it was a funny thing. I, I read a question on Quora the other day and um, it was about it was about starting up your own business and all that. And, you know, kind of from a successful entrepreneur, right, kind of small tidbits from the from the top of the hill, right, to kind of help all the all the uh, starting out ambitious entrepreneurs. So. One of the bold questions, right, he gave the answer in Q&A form. So one of the questions was, what happened to all my friends? And the answer he gave was, oh, you have none. They all left, right? And I kind of chuckled at this. He said, obviously, jokingly. And, um, you know, it kind of reminded me that that's actually, you know, it's it's just that really sad feeling. You know, it's a really sad, like, you know, he's they're not there. You know, it's a, it, that's that same feeling, you know, it's like they all left. It's a very sad, mellow, really emotionless, emotionless picture. So when I, so I w- you would think that, oh, you know, the, me acting on the dream would amplify the ambition and, uh, yeah, really amplify the ambition by extraordinary amounts. You know, if dreaming gave me this feeling doing action on the dream would give me that feeling, you know, if I was, if I was, you know, I mean, it just would give you more adrenaline, you would think, you know, and unfortunately, that was not the case. uh, Because I realized the difference. I and right, I realized the difference. And I found that it was a dream, you know, it, it was actually a dream. 
and a dream is, you know, it, it was a realistic fantasy, but a fantasy, no less, right? So it became a, it became a really interesting uh, parallel. It was not a linear situation. It was not a situation where it started here and then it progressed in a linear fashion upwards and then I would shoot up higher even from there, right? It was, it is a balance. There are two parallel lines. One goes up, the other goes down. So they were not side by side. I had a dream, which was a fantasy. And once I made it a reality, things shot up, right? It would definitely not that. And you would think so, but unfortunately what happened, the re I find that the reason I felt this way, the reason I felt so sad, so empty and so depressed and emotionless after actually taking action on the dream was because fantasy and reality are not one in the same. They are a balance. When one is up, the other is down. It's, I, I mean, I was, I realized it to the point where like, I told myself, how is it possible you didn't even realize this earlier? You know, how can you be dreaming and in reality at the same time? That's what I was thinking of it, asleep. You know, I like, when you're asleep, you're dreaming, you have a fantasy. But when you're awake, your body has the ability to take action. And as a kind of a side note, I don't mean to get off on a tangent here, right? But the, we can learn a really, really crucial, important life lesson, that thinking is not action. Thinking is the opposite of action, right? Thinking is one entity and action is a whole different entity, right? And so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put down thinking, obviously, if it helps one do action, right? But thinking and action are completely, completely separate. So we are, so, you know, when you're asleep, you're just thinking and, and, when you're doing action, you're affirming reality, right? So it's a very, very interesting parallel. You know, action is not done just through thought, just through ambition, just through thing, right? Because I'll be, for example, I'll be in the living room with my uh, with my family. We'll just be talking and chatting, right? We'll be, or the kind of ambitious crowd, right? We'll be talking about ideas. Oh, this would be a great business idea. Oh, I think that would do great. I have a need. Oh, how would we do that, right? And start thinking about logistics and whatnot. It's amazing, right? One time, one of the, one of my family members kind of uh, took the stand of the conversation and she mentioned that like, hey, why don't, let's, you know, let's actually make it happen. You know, it's one thing that we're always here talking and we're chit-chatting, et cetera, but we're not actually taking action on it. And uh, I w it just kind of reminded me of that, for instance. Uh, so we see that the mind can only be in one event. The mind can only be in one gear. You know, you can be in park and drive simultaneously. They just do not work. It it is they are ox it's an oxymoron. It does not work. Uh, so it's like you know, a a car can simply it cannot run. It cannot take both regular gasoline and diesel gasoline, right? They, it cannot, it cannot take both of those, uh, those gas, it's just, they're inconsistent with one another. Uh, so then again, our mind does have a habit of fragmenting. You know, once uh, in one, in one area of our mind, we can be living in a fantasy and another one in reality. When you go to work, you can be uh, fully engaged in reality. You can be a tip top performer, you can, really make strides and thrive and work, right? But when you come home to your relationships, one can 
easily, easily trick himself or herself into believing that actually, you know what, my relationship is going amazingly. Well, all in reality, deep down, you kind of know that mm, it's not really going so well. But you trick yourself, you live in a fantasy that it is, right? Because your mind does not want to realize the reality, so it builds. And again, relationships are a perfect example of this, right? So you can be a high performer at work, and then when you come home, you realize that your relationships are um, uh, quite crappy. And you come to realize this circle again, We this is where we go back to. You have a reality, which is hidden all the way under, right? And it's protected by illusionary... Uh, illusionary safety net and then covered on top of that by the fantasy so what is the fantasy let's dive into a little bit of the relationship aspect of it so we what do we have the fantasy and the fantasy uh is the relationship is doing well and then the what we do what someone will do is for example they'll uh they'll say i love you just to hear it back you know, just to kind of get the illusionary safety net, just to kind of get those small little affirmations. They'll purposely, consciously seek affirmations to confirm their fantasy, right? To confirm their uh, fantasy, which are trying to transcend into reality, right? So you can clearly see here that people do have a habit of, of, of fragmenting. You know, one area can be good, one habit can be bad. And uh, we, we look at, you know, fantasy in a in a very different way too, you know, f fantasy, I was like giving a candy wrapper example, you know, it's, or a, uh, like a Gildan age, you know, Gildan is like, uh, you know, it's gold covered, but in all reality, it's just crap. It's just not good at all. You know, candy wrapper, a candy wrapper, the attractive, colorful, shiny wrapper of the candy invites you. But once you actually pick up the wrapper, and then you eat the chocolate bar, you don't feel so good afterwards, right? Oh, why did I eat something that unhealthy? And all that's right. So you have the, the outside, the fantasy of the circle, the outside part of the circle, the fantasy as something so attractive. That's the shiny aspect of the candy bar. And, uh, and we really, uh, that, that is the, that is the shiny M&M's color, uh, you know, uh, candy, candy wrapper. And that's, that's the fantasy. That's how you brand the fantasy. However, once you dive in, you get into the illusionary safety net, right? And that's the chocolate. Now, once you reach the reality, once you reach the actual reality of the situation, mm, not so good. You know, it's really, oh, why did I do that? So fantasy is the way you brand it. The illusionary safety is, hmm, I'm, I'm holding a chocolate bar. Now, hmm, prove to me that I'm holding a chocolate bar. So you affirm the reality of the fact that you're eating a chocolate bar, you're holding a chocolate bar through eating it and having a bite. But then you realize through reality, which is the last circle in the inside, that, hmm, candy wrappers, you know, should not have done that. So it's a very inviting thing. So um, just to, to simply conclude here, uh, the mind, you know, powerful people, the powerful people face reality and not fantasy. Not to say that fantasy is not okay, but it is used, and my, I believe, and this is my, my uh, approach to it and what I find to be healthy just for me, is I find that fantasy is a place to resort to. Like a resort, like a hotel, for instance. A resort is somewhere you go rarely. You know, it's not somewhere you live in. You don't live at a hotel. 
you stay at a hotel briefly for vacation and come back when reality returns. You do not live in fantasy and visit reality intermittently. You are live in reality and visit fantasy intermittently, right? And this is something the powerful uh, have to face. And, you know, people think the the all-powerful are very extreme, super one-sided. In many cases, that's what it is. But in the long term, there are a lot of elements of reality that need to have a healthy balance. Fantasy is healthy, but reality is where you're supposed to live. So to kind of tie in and mend uh, last episode to this one, the powerful also face reality with emotions. Uh, Two, a lot of people try to use logic to a lot of people try to trick themselves. So, uh, by the way, illusionary safety net, right? That a lot of I, I wanted to use that term, right? And a lot of people try to use logic. It's so interesting because a lot of people attempt to use logic to solidify and satiate their own fantasy of whatever they're trying to say. For example, I'm rich is a fantasy. It's a very emotion-filled fantasy to kind of uh, tie and mend it back to uh, to emotion logic balance. You know the uh, when it, the fantasy is an emotionally branded uh, outlook on life, but you know there's a whole other part that's missing to that. You know how do we confirm our reality through logic? So if I say I'm rich, right? That that is the claim. It needs to be backed up by actual logic. So in the mind will say, oh, I have a gorgeous watch box, or I have an amazing desk. And it will logically, keyword, logically pick out certain parts of your own reality to kind of prove to you, to yourself, right, that that you are indeed rich, right? So it's this, uh, it's logic uh, backing your fantasy, right? And that kind of, that kind of, that's in a way what kind of sets the, uh, kind of sets the, really imprints the fantasy or can make one believe the the fantasy or facade or however you would like to categorize it uh you know as a reality so uh with that uh thank you very much for listening and all your support helps be sure to listen and to be sure to tune in daily for new episodes of existential